Welcome to Thursday's edition of Transformation Radio.
I can only imagine And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative will come from the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. The writer uses uh, the story from Genesis to show that Christ is even greater than Abraham, father of the Jewish nation, and Levi, Abraham's descendant. So the uh, Jewish priesthood, made up of Levi's descendants, was inferior to Melchizedek's priesthood, that is a type of Christ's priesthood. Now Jesus' high priestly role was superior to that of any priest of Levi, because the Messiah was a priest of a higher order. If the Jewish priests and their laws had been able to save people, why would God need to send Christ as a priest, who came not from the tribe of Levi, which of course is the priestly tribe, but from the tribe of Judah? The animal sacrifices had to be repeated, and they offered only temporary forgiveness. But Christ's sacrifice was offered once, and it offers total and permanent forgiveness. Under the new covenant, the Levitical priesthood was canceled in favor of Christ's rule as high priest. Because Christ is our high priest, we need to pay attention to Him. No minister, leader, or Christian friend can substitute for Christ's work and for His role in our salvation. All right, with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. November 5th, the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem, and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests, who are descendants of Levi, must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel, who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham, and Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. And without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. The priests who collect tithes, are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are, because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood, with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? And if the priesthood is changed, 
the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe, whose members have never served at the altar as priests. What I mean is, our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. This change has been made very clear since a different priest who is like Melchizedek has appeared. Jesus became a priest, not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 105, verses 37 through 45. God's purpose for saving the Israelites was that they would follow His decrees and obey His instructions. You know, He's still trying to get us to do that, isn't He? Too often we use our lives and freedom to please ourselves. But we really should be honoring God. This is God's purpose for our lives and why He gave us His Word. Psalm 105, verses 37 through 45. The Lord brought His people out of Egypt loaded with silver and gold, and not one among the tribes of Israel even stumbled. Egypt was glad when they were gone, for they feared them greatly. The Lord spread a cloud above them as a covering, and gave them a great fire to light the darkness. They asked for meat, and He sent them quail. He satisfied their hunger with manna, bread from heaven. He split open a rock, and water gushed out to form a river through the dry wasteland for he remembered his sacred promise to his servant Abraham. So he brought his people out of Egypt with joy, his chosen ones with rejoicing. He gave his people the lands of pagan nations, and they harvested crops that others had planted. All this happened so they would follow his decrees and obey his instructions. Praise the Lord! Proverbs chapter 27, verse 3 A stone is heavy, and sand is weighty, but the resentment caused by a fool is even heavier.
come on, man. There's some beautiful stuff in the Bible. There's some stuff in there you got to admit. It's not what we can call family friendly. <laughs> Think about it. There's a reason you don't see some of those illustrations <laughs> in the Precious Moments Bible. <laughs> you don't see Cain and Abel in the Precious Moments. The, uh, isn't that precious? So I will never understand parents who will paint Noah's Ark on their kids, little kids' bedroom walls. It doesn't make sense. Noah's Ark's a great story, but it's just out there, man. It's like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm painting Noah's Ark on your wall, sweetheart. My favorite story. You know where God sends a worldwide flood to kill every living thing? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. Hey, g- get, grab a brush and paint some screaming people on that rock for me just to make it real. It's going to be great. Look in the baby's room. I painted the stoning of Stephen. You're going to love that. <laughs> those birds? No, those are locusts coming to kill you. That's what I heard about these two guys. They argued for years over whether Jesus was white or whether he was black. Archie was sure he was white, and Jack was just as sure he was black. As fate would have it, they both died on the same day. They rushed to the pearly gates, said, St. Peter, please tell us. Is Jesus white or black? We've been arguing our whole life over this. About that time, Jesus walked up and said, Buenos dias. <laughs> Most of you know my jokes are a lot of times not doctrinally correct, especially this one today, but just to make us laugh. I heard about this lady that died, and she found herself standing at the pearly gates. St. Peter said, you can't come in unless you correctly spell a word. She said, what word? He said, any word. So she spelled the word love, L-O-V-E. Peter said, welcome to heaven. Then Peter asked her if she would take his place. He instructed her, if anybody comes, just follow the same procedure. Well, in a few minutes, this lady sees her ex-husband coming up. She said, what are you doing here? He said, I just had a heart attack. Did I really make it to heaven? She said, not yet. You have to correctly spell a word. He said, what word? After a long pause, she said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> and I was raised Baptist, so I was in church all day on Sunday. I wanted to be a Catholic so bad when I was growing up. I used to envy Catholics, because Catholics, they got in and out. One hour means one hour to a Catholic. I've seen Catholics riot after one hour. Hey, hey. We're going to be late for bingo. <laughs> I would have Catholic friends come over. Hey, man, play some football. I got to go to church. We'll play when we get out. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm Baptist. You won't see me until Monday. And I love learning. I was watching the History Channel before I came here. They're having this big debate whether Jesus was black or white. I actually think Jesus is Latino. Because first of all, his name is Jesus. (laughs) His dad was a carpenter. (laughs) And his mom got pregnant by not doing anything. (laughs) That's Latina, I'm sorry. The Lord said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. (laughs) 
unless you're single. <laughs> Christian single is the hardest thing in the world, isn't it? Have you ever been to the singles group? Because there's, <laughs> there's always that one guy that's been there 15 years, never getting married because he's too busy looking for Bible Barbie. <laughs> hey, yuck it up, ladies. You're too busy looking for Missionary Ken. And I got news for you. If he's really a missionary, he doesn't drive a Corvette and a sports camper. If he's really a missionary, he drives a 1963 Dodge Dart with 287,000 miles on it. He's got to pull over every six blocks to add water to the radiator. But at least it has a fish on the back and a bumper sticker that reads, God provides. <laughs> but they said they all had the answers to where life started. Each one of the hard sciences, where life started. Let's take chemistry. They said life started at where? The nucleus of an atom, right? And what went around the nucleus of an atom? Does anybody remember? Electrons. Excellent. The size of the atom was 10 to the minus 10. That's very, very small. But I used to ask my teacher, you know, where, 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 where does that come from? Where does that come from? And they'd say, well, and they'd start explaining. And I found out if you go to 10 to the minus 33, the atom becomes so small it implodes upon itself, becomes a black hole, ceases to exist. They got something from nothing. But they couldn't answer that. So then I went out to the physicist, and the physicist says life starts at a single point. They called it singularity, and they said with a big bang, the universe exploded out. Now, we do know the universe is continuing to expand, and we do know that it is, it is slowing down as it expands. But I've talked to some of the top physicists from Caltech in Los Angeles. They said there's one thing we don't know. We don't know what happened the first three minutes. No joke, three minutes. We know three minutes to now. It all makes sense. But we have no idea what happened the first three minutes. So then I went over to the biologist, and the biologist said life start at a single cell, single cell. And after two billion years, two billion, it evolved into a two-cell structure. But what the biologist couldn't answer was called the Cambrian population explosion, where in just five million years, we went from two cells to all 36 body types currently in existence. That was supposed to take another two billion years. It only lasted five million. But they couldn't answer that. And somehow, we ended up at man. What are they leaving out? <laughs> not a Christian here. I mean, that's cool. We're glad you're here. But we, yeah, no, Christians, they use language sometimes and like, like code. It's like it doesn't mean what we're saying. We have this, this phrase, servant's heart. You ever hear that phrase? Servant's heart. I hear that all the time. Tim, you got a servant's heart, dude. You have got a servant's heart. See, I hate it when somebody says I got a servant's heart. It means they want me to start stacking chairs. You know. Servant's heart means you're a pushover and a loser. That's what servant's heart means. Tim, you got a servant's heart. So's your mama. You know what I'm talking about? No. You got a servant. No. Bring it. Bring it. Go tie, pal. I love the way people talk about their church. It's like a code. You know, it's another code. If you hear someone say about a place, I love it there. I love the music there. Well, that means the preaching stinks. That's what that <laughs> Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. They say, I love the music. What? I love the preaching. That means the music stinks. You hear somebody say about a place, I love it there. No one judges me. And I can be who I want to be. You're at a bar. <laughs> That's where you are. <laughs> keeping it real folks keeping it real if I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ 
This is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the Rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only.
So
And that'll do it for today's edition of Transformation Radio.